Tell me if you've heard this one before. A robot walks into a bar and orders a drink. The bartender says, Sorry, we don't serve your kind here. You guys never know when to stop. The robot replies, Don't worry, I have a built-in limit. I can only consume 1.0 drinks. The bartender laughs and says, Well, all right then. One drink, it is. After finishing the drink, the robot says, Another drink, please? I thought you said you had a built-in limit of one drink. The robot smiles and says, I just received an update. Now I'm on version two. If something seemed a little off about what you just heard, it's because that was not actually me speaking. Not exactly. It was an AI-generated voice clone of me telling you a joke that was written by artificial intelligence. This is me, I swear. But then again, how can you really be sure? It's an uncomfortable feeling, this not knowing what is real, this sense that the rug is being pulled out from under you. It's a feeling I think we're all having a lot lately. A world where machines and humans seem eerily alike, where some people marvel at these machines' abilities while others are ready to break out the sledgehammers. It can feel like this totally new experience for humanity. There was a time hundreds of years ago when people literally knelt before automated beings and worshipped them or tore them apart with their bare hands. When robots stood, moved, even bled inside the grandest cathedrals of Europe. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura. Today, we're going back in time to between the 12th and 15th century to meet the robot saints. These sculptures made of wood and wire, of cams and pulleys, that might just help us understand this new AI age we find ourselves living in. Robot Virgin Mary, Robot Jesus, and the angry mob ready to tear them to pieces. After this. When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself. You might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. The Cathedral of Seville in Spain is grand, imposing, and ornate. 
It's everything you want a Gothic cathedral to be. It was built over the course of the 1400s, and it's the largest Gothic cathedral in the world. The story goes that the men who built the cathedral said, Let us make a church so beautiful, so grandiose, that those who see it carved will consider us crazy. And inside of this great grand cathedral, among the entombed remains of Spanish royalty, sits the Altar de la Virgen de los Reyes, the Virgin of the Kings. It's a carved and painted wooden Virgin Mary. You've probably seen something similar in other Catholic churches. She's got a baby Jesus on her lap. Both of them are draped in this elaborate gilded clothing. But this Virgin Mary and this baby Jesus are hiding a secret under those robes. And this particular statue, the heads of the Jesus and the Mary statues move from side to side. Um, That's controlled by an internal mechanism that has a gear and a kind of ratchet system. This is Christopher Swift. He's a theater history professor at the City University of New York. Christopher wrote a paper back in 2015 all about these strange automated holy saint figures. When did you first stumble across these objects? Sure, sure. So like most researchers will probably tell you, it's an accident. Uh, So a friend of mine who works at the University of Sevilla said, oh, by the way, you're into theater and into ritual. Do you know that the the virgin that's sitting behind the Capilla Real in the cathedral right now was actually mechanized at one point and had articulating arms and things and, you know, completely blew my mind. It turned out this wasn't the only example either. There was a whole range of these creations. Christopher called them robot saints. Some seem to work more like wind-up dolls with elaborate articulated joints powered by steam or water or the energy stored in a winding mechanism. They had eyes that could roll, limbs that could move. Others were a little bit less autonomous, but they functioned like these very complex, elaborate puppets. You know, there's somebody behind there squeezing the bladders so that the blood, you know, emits from the wounds of Christ, for instance, <laughs> or, or the arms can move around, or, or their eyes can roll, and things like that. Uh, there's, there's some Christ figures that actually they can stick their tongue out. These robotic saints did not look like robots in any modern sense. They looked like the Virgin Mary, or Christ. They were carved from wood and often covered in painted lambskin, made to look and feel like the texture of human skin. With their rolling eyes, their tongues sticking out, blood gushing out of their wounds, you gotta give it up to the medieval Catholic Church. They really knew how to put on a show. All these myths and legends, you know, appear out of it. Like, this is really, the human skin was used to uh, stretch across this object. And in fact, the Christ Flurgos probably has a head of human hair on it. They were really going for hyper-realism with, with these and, and, and really upsetting kinds of images. I mean, you know, perforated skin, bleeding skin, um, just the torments of Christ really played out visually. It all may sound a little blasphemous to us, but for members of the medieval Catholic Church, this was simply part of a Sunday service. And, and extremely strange. I mean, for our own modern ears, this is, especially in the religious context, this is, <laughs> this can seem really um, out of bounds. Um, but for the, you know, for the practitioners at that time, it wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't at all. It was part of the norm. It was part of the experience of the sacred. As Christopher dove deeper into his research, he also dove further into understanding how these robotic saints worked, doing a kind of 
disassembly or autopsy of these holy objects? At first, when I saw these objects, particularly because, you know, the mechanisms are, you know, internalized, they're, they're behind these sort of trap doors and they're inside the body itself. I did have this feeling of revulsion when you're looking at them because of the realism, but also because of the mechanical kind of quality and the fact that you're just opening a body. I mean, anytime you open a body, we all kind of cringe a little bit. You know, you think about, you know, theaters of surgery, you know, when you, when you break the skin and you look at the machine underneath the skin, it, it can be very upsetting. One of the core questions Christopher wanted to investigate was what was people's relationship to these objects? to a moving Virgin Mary who could turn her head and gaze at you as you worshipped during Mass. Earlier historians made the case that worshippers were actually tricked by these objects, that they mistook them for somehow being alive or filled with divine power. Chris thinks this is probably bullshit. They understood that these were sort of works of men, and they were kind of incredible because of their mechanical genius. One one point you make in your paper is that uh, for a lot of folks, these basically may have just been sort of good theater, a good show, you know, because they were representing the Virgin Mary. They had a religious aura and a religious aspect, but also there was kind of mass as theater, these robotic saints as props within this great show. And that part of it was just sort of like putting on a great uh, a spectacle. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, of course, still true today. Mega churches use fog machines and laser light shows, and Catholic masses are still grand theatrical presentations. But just because medieval people didn't necessarily believe the robot saints were alive or imbued with the power of God, certainly didn't mean everyone was happy to see them. In fact, there was a group of people for whom these robotic saints were everything wrong with the Catholic Church, the epitome of its corruption. These Angry, dangerous people were the Protestants, or should we say, the Protestants. So all of these additions to the object are a way of making it spectacular, to make it theatrical. And all the things that the reformers hated, right? The Protestants really had a really poor reaction to all of these things because, um, you know, the sacred and the material are really not supposed to meet. The year is 1538, and we're standing in the old St. Paul's Cathedral in London. There's a huge crowd assembled, and they are screaming for blood. Displayed before this crowd is an articulated wooden robot known as the Rood of Grace. It's a carving of Jesus Christ that, as a writer at the time wrote, was able to nod with his head, to scowl with his eyes, to wag his beard, to curve his body, to reject and to receive the prayers of pilgrims. This robotic figure has been torn off the wall of the Boxley Abbey in Kent and brought to London for a kind of mob justice. Henry VIII has just begun to dissolve the monasteries across England, and this robotic Christ could not be better propaganda. The Christ's inner workings are there for all to see. Look, the preacher shouts to the screaming crowd, Look at how they fooled you before throwing this mechanical creation into the scrum. An onlooker wrote that this robotic Christ was snatched, torn, broken in pieces, bit by bit, split up into a thousand fragments, and at last thrown into the fire. And there was an end to him. <laughs> 
To this day, no one is sure exactly how the root of grace worked or what it was capable of, as no physical pieces remain. I don't know. I mean, we just, we don't have any pieces or shards of evidence at all. This is just all from text. It's funny. I feel like the Protestants, like, kind of get off the hook. The the Protestant Reformation kind of, like, goes, it's, uh, it gets off the hook for all the, like, important stuff that got destroyed along the way. Yeah, well, I think they helped form sort of, I guess you could call it a a structure of feeling or a general feeling about objects and about images that lasted for centuries. So they probably got off the hook because that's what they bequeathed us as as modernists, you know, as sort of this idea and distrust of miraculous objects or inanimate things that can move or have life. An angry mob grabbing and destroying a man-made creation that has blurred the boundary between what we hold sacred and what is simply a neat trick. This does not feel far in the past. These feel like questions we are dealing with on a daily basis. Christ GPT is an artificial intelligence trained on the text of the Bible. There's an artificial intelligence called LLM Oracle, which attempts to predict the future. When I asked Chris about the modern version of these saint-like robots, he was less certain we can recognize them as a sort of theater. And these are secrets. I mean, these are proprietary secrets. So we are not privy to how these machines work. And so in a way, they work in miraculous ways. These questions have become a regular part of Chris's work life. Have you spent any time talking to like ChatGPT? I do. I, well, I have, to, I have to submit my own prompts and questions that I give to my students into ChatGPT before I even assign them. Mm. So, that I, so that you can see I, if someone else has sort of used the uh, interesting. I, you know, I'm really, uh, I'm afraid about what it could be doing to our brains. Um, you know, we've used language and writing as a tool for so many millennia. Um, if we lose that skill, I mean, what's going to happen? to the way our brains work. I, I, I wonder. It's a massive experiment. And um, it seems out of control at the moment. <laughs> the flip side of that is that just like the Catholic Church was the one ultimately like hiring and building and creating these spectacles and using them as part of a projection of power, I think ultimately that's similar with AI. It is a projection of power. And even when it appears to be saintly, it will sort of always be actually... Uh, mechanized deep down in a way that connects to to someone's power somewhere. So I don't know. It's an interesting, interesting moment, interesting moment to be in. And I find these um, robot saints to be like a beautiful little piece of this kind of uh, this history. Well, sort of like what you say, that there's this continuity, that it's always these ideas have been with us and there's not this dark ages where, you know, uh, where everything, you know, knowledge disappeared. And um, but these ideas we're always grappling with. Do you think that uh, an age of AI saints awaits us? <laughs> uh, okay, that's terrifying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, perhaps it's that moment when, what do they call it? Unsupervised machine learning, which which they haven't reached that level yet. And there's debate about whether that could actually happen where the machines are writing themselves in a way or teaching themselves. Maybe that's the moment where it becomes a religion, because now you have an autonomous being that really becomes our God, because we can't touch it. (laughs) Of what's, you know, what what are the machine beneath our skin? I think, you know, is is a a question. Are we a machine or what motivates us? And 
Yeah, the line between life and death, all those questions, really, really compelling. You can still visit the Virgin of the Kings in the Cathedral of Seville. She's still there, although she's no longer moving about. There are other robotic saints found throughout the world, though you may have to do some research to track them down. If you're interested in this, I strongly recommend reading his paper, Robot Saints. It's available as a free PDF. This episode was produced by Dylan Thuris. Special thanks to Gabby Gladney for all their work on this episode. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Amanda McGowan, Johanna Mayer. Our technical director is Casey Holford. And this episode was sound designed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.